0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast.
1: Amen. Good morning. I apologize for my voice before I even get started. Someone said, hey, Pastor, you're going to be a couple octaves lower than you normally are. And I thought, I guess so. I don't know what an octave is, but if you say so. <laughs> and I feel like I'm a little, bit, little between that, and this is going to date me a bit. But how many of you remember the little rascals? Alfalfa, you're going to hear a little alfalfa this morning. So I apologize. I mean, I'm going to take a long sermon and make it short. How many of you know you never heard a bad short sermon? Come on, <laughs> grab your butt Grab. Your, that was me. I'm sorry, tech guys. Uh, grab your Bibles, your sermon notes. This morning we're concluding this series we've been on for the past couple of weeks. We've been talking about living on mission and today we want to turn our focus to the marketplace Um, where most of you go most of the time today or live live out your faith and let me just broaden the definition Um, if you are in high school or college and you're going to a a campus in the season of your life that is your marketplace Um, If you're a stay-at-home mom, listen, your role is really significant, it's not less than, it's really important, it's just that your workplace happens to be in the home and um, you have a neighborhood that you're kind of, man, that's your marketplace. And so when I talk about marketplace, I want you to see it bigger uh, than just maybe that office building you work in, because I know folks here from all different backgrounds, all different experiences We want to talk about what does the church look like? Because what we've defined so far in this series is that the church is not a building. The church is not an institution governed by bylaws and regulations. The church is really people. You want to know what the church looks like? Just look around you this morning. Different individuals who've come to experience the wonder of God's redeeming grace They've been forgiven of their sins, brought into a living, life-giving relationship with God, and now they're living their lives on mission, now representing Jesus throughout the commune. That's what the church looks like. Last week, we talked about, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we talked about how we have been reconciled to God through Jesus. In other words, through the provision of Christ, God took that which was separated, being God and man, remove this wall called sin, and now we've, we've been brought together. We're at peace with God today. And Paul, in that passage of Scripture, says that now we have been given the ministry of reconciliation to carry forth the message of reconciliation. We've not, we've not just been saved to stay in this building. No, we've been saved so that we can carry this message of hope, to the world in which God has placed us. So if you can think of it like this, Sunday's really about Monday. Sunday's really about Monday. Now, I think what we're doing here this morning is really important. And we had an awesome time of worship this morning. And Holly did a phenomenal job leading us in that last song of worship. Oh, worship team dead. So we need to come and be in, we need to come and be energized and and uh, be encouraged and be uh, to be directed, to be instructed. But understand, we only come here so we can go there. If we only come on Sunday and we don't live it out on Monday, then I would really question um, the the authenticity of your faith. So Sunday, this is important, but it's really about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So today we're going to talk about this really practical area of ministry, being ministry in the marketplace. Now, again, the marketplace looks different for a lot of folks in the room. I mean, who knows this morning how many different vocations we would have represented just in this group. But the body of Christ, the marketplace, the ministry in the marketplace is that varied. It looks that different as many different vocations as we have in the room, that's the places where we are representing Jesus Christ. It's there you're living out, your calling. Did you know you were called? If you're in the marketplace, did you know you were called to the marketplace? You know, oftentimes we think of of calling as being, well, you know, it's just the pastors and the missionaries, they're the one who's called by God. And I would say no. See, we're all called to a place of assignment. And God's given us different gifts and different abilities and different talents. And we're taking those abilities and we're, and we're living them out in a place of assignment where you've been called. So let me define a couple of words for you. Your calling is to represent Jesus Christ. Your vocation is what you do to earn a paycheck. Your vocation is what you do to provide for your family. Now, that's really important. How many of you know you have to make the mortgage payment? If not, they'll change the locks. You know, you have to pay the electric bill. It's really important that you're doing your job well. You're earning a paycheck. So that's not less than. But understand, that's just your vocation. That's your career. path. What's your calling? Your calling is to represent Jesus Christ. We've all been called. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. Let's say this morning that that you're a car salesman. So your vocation is selling cars. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what you get up and you go to the car lot or you go to the dealership. Why? Because you're a salesman. What do you do? Your vocation, your career path is you sell cars to provide for your family. That's how you earn your paycheck. And if someone were to ask you, well, what, what are you? you say, oh, I'm a car salesman. Well, that's not really accurate. Let me tell you what you are. You're an undercover agent for Jesus Christ who happens to be selling cars. Agent 007 on assignment. That's who you are. And maybe, maybe you're an engine builder and your vocation is you build engines for race cars to make cars go really fast. So Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you, you go down to a shop, and, and you have mechanical abilities. That's kind of how God's gifted you, and, and you build engines. And someone would say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm, a, I'm an engine builder for such and such race team. And I would say, again, that's kind of accurate, but not totally accurate. What's more accurate? More accurate is this. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. On assignment in a race shop because God needed some people to display the love of Jesus in that engine building shop. So what did He do? He put you on assignment there, <laughs> building engines. Man, what you you're a minister on assignment who happens to be like putting all of these car parts together to make an engine run. See, in God's plan, this is what He's done, and it's pretty amazing. He has spread the church throughout our community doing work where lost people are. Isn't that amazing? So that those people who are far from God might experience the love of Jesus. Because he sent you to be on assignment there in that place. Looking at your notes this morning, I believe the 9 to 5 window or the time that we go to work each day it's one of the most important mission fields in the world today. So the mission field is not just in another country. The mission field is right where you go to work. You can cross the seas and have a mission adventure, or you can go right around the corner tomorrow morning and have a mission adventure. where in your place of work. Now, I'm, I'm all for overseas missions. I mean, as a congregation, we've been in Nicaragua for 23 years, impacted the nation through Grace Covenant Church to that nation. We're, we're in a five-year strategic partnership with the Ivory Coast, pretty significant. And I'm all off, I'm off for missions, but listen, you don't have to cross the seas to do missions work. All you have to do is drive down Interstate 77 to your place of work on Arrow, um, the Arrowhead. Arrowwood Drive. I'm sorry. You can tell I don't go downtown much. <laughs> Beatty's Florida, wherever your place of work would be. It's there that that you're living out your mission assignment. When you go to work, what you're doing is you're taking Jesus into your place of work and your place of employment becomes your mission field. You're in the church, we've, I think we've done this <clears throat> this this service, and we've created we've created what we call the sacred and the secular. Like, whoa, this is sacred. We're in the house of God. This time is sacred. But fiddlesticks, you know, I got to go into the secular tomorrow, and I got to go put up with a bunch of difficult people, knuckleheads. And we create this divide. It's not what we do on Sunday sacred. And then, the you know, Monday through Friday, well, you know, that's just, that's secular. And I would say, no, I would say it's all sacred. Let me tell you why it's sacred. Because the presence of God is in you. And when you show up at work, guess who showed up at your place of work? God did. So that workplace just became a holy place. Why? Because you showed up and you brought God with you. Amazing. Now, this is not secular and sacred. No, it's all sacred. Matter of fact, Eckhart, I have, I have this quote in your notes. Mr. Eckhart said this, and I love this statement. He said, the kind of work we do does not make us holy, but we make it holy. As we have the divine being within, we bless each task we do, be it eating or sleeping or watching or any other task. So the work we do may not be holy, but we make it holy. Well, because we have the presence of God in us. So let me tell you why the marketplace, your workplace... Is a great mission field. Four statements really quick. The first is this almost all non Christians are where? In the marketplace. They're not showing up here. Matter of fact, this is a little hard to take, but in America, in America, we're living in a post Christian era. The number of Americans who show up at church on Sunday on a regular basis is about 20%. Projections say by 2050 that 20% is going to go to 12%. That's not a real good report on the church. But what's the good news? Monday through Friday, we get to go into the marketplace and we get to hang out with what? People who are far from God. Why? Because they're all in the marketplace. They're where you're going to be tomorrow morning. Imagine that. That was the alpha, alpha. <laughs> Not only that. Here's the second statement. Almost all Christians are in the marketplace. This, this is God's grand design. God's grand design was never about one man in a building. God's grand design was this, that he would indwell individuals, normal folks like you, give you gifts and abilities. Abilities to do things like accounting, building houses, um, milling steel. He would give individuals like you these abilities that he would say, hey, I'm going to send you out to where there's all of these people who don't know me. And they're going to get to experience me because you showed up. Pretty amazing. See, I think the marketplace is where, is where we get to really showroom our faith. It's where people get to experience Jesus. But if you can think of it like this. The marketplace is like the test drive for Christianity. If you were going to buy a car, let's say a brand new car, before you bought the brand new car, you would probably go to a showroom. We want to Look at the cars, right? You would probably even take it for a test drive. Like you would want to see how it, how it handles. You might even ask the dealer, hey, can I take it home for a night? But well, you, you want to put it to the test before you make the purchase, before you close the deal. Well, Monday through Friday, individuals who are far from God are getting to like test out Jesus. Why? Because they're experiencing Jesus through you, through how you respond, how you react under pressure. You know, don't be, don't be saying those cuss words. Like when you're under pressure. You're saying, How did I how did you know? I've been peeking. <clears throat> how how we relate? Do we honor people? Do we respect people? Do we serve people? Listen, that's how the experience is. It. But it's 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 in the marketplace. Then we get to live out of it. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to come here on a Sunday morning and all act Christian. Don't you? It's pretty easy to get up, put on our best, and yeah, I'm gonna go and be the play church today. I'm gonna smile when I'm supposed to smile. I'm gonna respond when I'm I, I think it's easy to be Christian on Sunday. Like it's Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday that we get to live out our faith. And again, I think that's why the marketplace is, is such a mission field. It's there that we're living out our faith. This morning. I thought it would be fun to talk with a few folks who are in the marketplace, who are actually living their life on mission in the marketplace. So I've asked a couple of my friends if they would join me this morning, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask them some questions about where they're at work and how they're living out their faith, how, how their marketplace is actually a mission field for them. So let me introduce my friends to you, in case you don't know. These individuals. First, I have uh, Chris. Um, I have Carrie Carr, her, her husband Chris, have been here at Grace for about well, a long time. 17 years. 19 years. Wow! That's a long time. Um, so I have Carrie Carr, and as you can tell, she's in uniform. She works for American Airlines as a flight attendant. So every day she's off somewhere uh, flying on a plane there representing Jesus. And then I have my friend Ron Rayford. Ron owns a barbershop in downtown Davidson. Need to a good haircut? Go see Ron Rayford's barbershop. But it's there that Ron is living out his faith. Ron and Barbara have been a part of Grace Covenant for about four years now. Um, but I thought it would be fun just for us to talk a little bit about, about the marketplace being a, a place of mission, a place where we're living out our faith. So first, here's a question. In what ways have you found that you can represent Jesus while you're doing your work? So you're at work, you're doing your vocation. So what ways have you found, just kind of natural, not weird, yeah. But just natural to represent Jesus. Ron, you want to take that
0: first? Yes. Uh, for myself, uh, open the barbershop. You know, I pray and set the atmosphere. A lot of spirits come in the barbershop. I want to be prepared to ask the Lord. You know, to lead me um, how to deal with uh, different spirit. So letting my light shine that someone see me how I live my life with through God. Um, it's like uh, preaching the gospel and use words when necessary. Yeah. So, so, really, then you, you just began by setting the day,
1: setting the atmosphere, because you know folks are going to be coming in your shop, in and out of your shop all day long. And, I, you know, I think, I think as we establish that when people come into that place of business, they sense something that's different. So, just really establishing your place of work so that when people come, they, they experience. Chris, what about you, Carrie?
2: Kind of the same thing. So before I started trip, I definitely pray to have God go with me because I don't want to go there by myself. <laughs> it's a rough world out there. So then the other thing um, that I do is I purposely can choose where I want to work on the plane. you knows this. So I choose the boarding door because I like to greet people. And so I get to kind of see the flavor of the flight. I get to see who's coming on and maybe some opportunities that are coming on. So that's a lot of fun, and I have about 300 people a day between uh, passengers and crew that maybe God can influence me by the way I treat them, which is kinder than maybe what they've been through, coming through TSA and being poked and prodded, and they get frustrated by the time they get to me, so I can turn it around maybe. I could be L-I-G-H-T, and I could be L-I-T-E, lighten it up a little bit because it's kind of heavy sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How many of you, as as you've got on a plane before, see the flight attendant there and they kind of like change your mood for the flight? Happens to me all the time. I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow to LA and I'm going to look forward to, maybe there's going to be someone like Carrie there after I get through TSA and all of that mess that they can help me brighten my day. It's it's those simple ways. I think sometimes we we make it so difficult to represent Jesus and I think sometimes it's as simple as a kind word, a word. A smile, it's just something to make a deposit in someone's life. But here's a second question for you What kind of mind shifts do you think we we need to make? Because I think oftentimes we think of you know, missions as, you know, I'm going across the seas, but really to see, hey, where I work is a mission field. How, how do we need to change our thinking? So that we can be like on assignment every day in our place of work?
0: Well, staying focused uh, on the Word of God and uh, taking every thought captive and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me through any uh, situation that might occur in the barbershop.
2: Um, so, intentionality, that's a word for me. Um, I'm intentional for asking the Lord for opportunities that's going to come on the plate. And then the sensitivity to see it and to know what to do, and then the boldness to go to that opportunity. Um, and he doesn't fail when I ask him; yeah. he always has something for me to do.
1: So the shift being first, we're being guided by the Word, allowing God's Word to kind of direct us. And I think the second, well stated, is just being intentional, realizing that every day is a day of opportunity, and and who knows what door God might open. How the Holy Spirit might have to use you or you on any given day, just simply as you make yourself available. Well, One last question. We all love stories. So is there a story maybe of something that's happened in the past past couple of weeks or past couple of years where you would just say, Man, here, here, was a, here was an assignment, an opportunity that God brought my way where I really got to... And see someone's life impacted just as I was doing ministry in the marketplace?
0: For one, um, this young man came to me for a haircut first, but then uh, throughout the haircut, uh, he shared with me about suicide. Um, uh, the haircut thing went, went aside, and I focused on the word of God that he needed to, needed to hear. Um, through the uh, haircut, you know, we prayed and, and talked through um, uh, things about life that he was here for a purpose. That God need him. He need to speak life into someone else, as I'm doing to him. Yeah. And now he's, he's doing great. He accepted Christ, and he's living for the Lord. Praise God. So, isn't that awesome? So here's a man
1: who comes in to get a haircut, and it just so happens, coincidence, right? That he lands in Ron's chair, and he's contemplating taking his life. And Ron was able to speak life into his life and turn the situation around. And in one of the earlier services, Ron said, I prayed with him because I've, I've come to discover that you pray in the moment. I think that's great. You know, don't tell someone, hey, I'll pray for you later. What I've come to discover is now's a good time. Let's do it now. And so through that, a man's life turned around. He thought he was going to get a haircut, and it, it was a it was an experience that changed this life. Pretty amazing. Katie, what about you? Um,
2: so a couple of weeks ago, I was flying from London to Charlotte, and uh, the agent told us a man would be coming on alone. He had lost his daughter early that morning in Alabama. So he was flying to see her, and his wife was there with the daughter. So he was all alone. It was really sad. So it's, they were boarding. I was at the greeting door again. The agent was like, that's him. And, of course, he was very sad. So um, we boarded, and we did the service, and um, Normally, these flights are full, but this particular flight had a couple seats here and there. Which just so happened, that man was on my side of the aisle, and he had two seats beside him by himself, which is so odd. So after the service, I went and I sat down with him, and I got to hear his story, and I shared with him a little bit. Now, he didn't accept the Lord that day, but um, he was very grateful, and he was um, very touched. And so he held my hand. He said, you have no idea what you sitting down talking to me meant and I knew that God put me there that day. It was really special to him and me. And I was so thankful that God used me um, for him and for me. So it's awesome. He, he always has you on an assignment.
1: Yeah. It's important what Carrie just said. <clears throat> Is that she didn't have the opportunity to pray with this man to receive Christ. And, and I, would, I would want you, like, hear, hear me, folks, the pressure's off. You can't save anyone. You can. What's your job? Your job is to sow the seed, to plant the seed, plant the seed. And so, what did Carrie have an opportunity to do? She stepped into the opportunity, sat down, and had a conversation with a man and planted the seed of the gospel in his life. He experienced Jesus on a flight to London. Just happened to look like Carrie. Isn't that amazing? This the marketplace where we're living on on mission. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. Both for Ron and Carrie, they, they have a bit of an advantage in that they have people captive. Like if you're sitting in the chair getting a haircut, I mean, you're not going to leave until you get your haircut, right? You wouldn't leave and get a bad haircut. And if you're on one of the flights that carries on, you're not just going to leave the plane, right? You're pretty much there. Would you think Ron and Carrie? As I wrap this up this morning, I want to share just a couple of scriptures with you in four statements that I believe will help us be effective as we're living on assignment in the marketplace. Because again, the marketplace is the mission field. Your school teacher, listen, that, that, that classroom is, is your marketplace. If you're a business leader downtown at Wells Fargo, it's, it's that area, it's that place that's your mission field. If you're working at a race shop, that race shop is your is your mission field. You Go to Huff High School. Huff High School is your mission field. So how can we be effective in the mission field? That we've been called to. I think the first thing we need to do. The first thing we must do. Is embrace a mind shift. I've talked about this throughout the series. But let me just say it one more time. The church is not a building. The church is people. Like yourself. Who experienced the wonder of God's grace. And now what? You're called to be the church. So a mind shift. It's not. You know. The The building and a man, the building being church and the man being the pastor. No, it's the body of Christ. We're all ministers of the gospel. So first thing is we have to embrace a mind shift. If you don't come to the place that you understand Sunday is really to get you ready for Monday, then you'll never live on assignment. If you don't make that mental shift, you'll miss it. The first thing we have to do is we need to to embrace the mental shift. To see your work as a calling from God in your place of assignment. Again, your vocation is what you do to make a living. While your calling is to represent Jesus. So let's represent Jesus well. I would also challenge you to view your work as worship. Your work as worship. We looked at this verse last week, but I want to bring you back to it again this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. In the message paraphrase, every once in a while, I like to read scripture from from different translations just to get a, a little different twist on the passage of scripture. So listen as I read this. Servants. Do what you're told by your earthly masters. Don't allow that to throw you off. Paul's writing to his culture and his context. In, in Paul's time, there were masters and there were servants. Obviously, we don't have that today, praise God. But what do we have? We have employers and employees. It's the same. So, employees, do what you're told by your employers Notice what he says, don't just do, don't just do the minimum that will get you by. In other words, don't do, don't do shoddy work. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. So what your work has the potential to be worshipped we need to broaden our understanding of this word worship. Oftentimes we think worship is what we do on Sunday morning. And we did worship this morning. It was good. We worshiped. But that's just one aspect of worship. Listen, how you do your work, how you take the abilities that God's given you, the abilities, the skills that you've honed, And how you put them to work on Monday has the potential to bring honor to God. So do it well. And I believe that as we view our work as worship, then our work becomes a greater witness. It becomes a greater representation of Jesus Christ. Because we realize, man, we're not doing this just to get a paycheck. There's something greater at stake here. It's about honoring God in my life and with my life, therefore, I encourage you to serve with excellence, serve with excellence. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse eleven and twelve. Listen to what Paul wrote. He says, "Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life to mind your own business." And to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life, notice, your daily life may do what? It may win the respect of outsiders. That you're doing your work in such of an excellent way that your employer or your peers are watching your life. And they're saying, Wow <laughs> That was alfalfa again. What's so different about your life? And Marcelo, they're watching you fly a plane and your employer's saying, Well, what makes you fly that plane with such passion and caution? Like you hadn't killed anybody yet. <laughs> or other pilots are watching you and saying, Man, Why do you always show up before you're supposed to get here? And why are you so diligent? Listen, as we are excellent in what we do, that people are watching. And this is what I believe. If you do excellent work long enough, people are going to want to know what's different about your life. Why are you happy all the time? What's the deal with that? You've been sneaking out back smoking some stuff like I don't have? Why are you happy all the time? What's the deal? How you do your work not only is worship to God, but it it will open the door for you to be able to give reason for the hope that you have as you're doing it with excellence. So don't do shoddy work. Listen, don't show up late and give half effort and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Don't do that. And don't do that. Give it your best. Here's the last thing I would encourage you to do. Is choose to be a light wherever God has you on assignment. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're on assignment in the home. Be a light. If you're working at Harris Teeter you're on assignment at Harris Teeter, be a light. If you're selling cars at the Ford dealership, you're on assignment at the Ford dealership, be a light. If you're a realtor, you're on assignment selling property, be a light. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. They can see it in your life That they see your good deeds and they praise your Father in heaven. Now, I know not everyone grew up in Sunday school like I did. But when I was in Sunday school, we used to sing a little song. Maybe you remember it. This little light of mine. I was going to sing it for you this morning, and then my voice just went flat. And I thought, yeah. But there was, a, there was a line that said, hide it under a bushel. I would encourage you, wherever you're on assignment, there let your light shine. There's multiple purposes of light, but in relation to what we're talking about this morning, let me give you two. First is this. Light illuminates the way. If you're out and it's dark and you're trying to find your way and you can't see where you're going, what do you do? You pull out your phone and you turn on the light. And what it illuminates the way. See where you're going. In the same way, we're called to be a light that illuminates the way so that other people can find their way to Jesus. Let your light shine. The second purpose of light is this. Light dispels darkness. If you walk into a room that's dark and you flip the light switch on, what happens to dark? It's not a trick question. If you walk into a dark room and you flip the light switch on, what happens to dark?
0: It's gone.
1: It's dispelled. The light overcame the darkness. Listen, as you go to your workplace, listen, you're carrying the resurrected Jesus Christ, His authority is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're the light that's going into the darkness. You're bringing the presence of Jesus into that dark place. And when light shows up, it dispels the darkness. That's the authority that you have to carry with you into the market. So, so be a light. Wherever your own assignment, be a light. In the marketplace is not just our place of work, but it's our place of opportunity to live out the grace and the love of Jesus. In the marketplace is our mission field, Monday through Friday. There may come a day where you get to cross the seas to go on a mission adventure. But listen, you don't have to cross the seas, you can go right around the corner, because every day, you're going into a mission field. And it's there that you get to represent Jesus, and that people can experience the love of Christ demonstrated through your life. In my office, I have um, an exit door, a side door. It's my escape door. If I see you coming and I don't want to talk to you, I go out that door. <laughs> Just kidding. I would never do that. But my exit door, someone made this sign for me and I have it sitting on a bookshelf. So that I, I see it every time I exit my, my office door. And it simply says this. You're now entering the mission field. If I'm leaving my office, heading to a restaurant. What am I doing? I'm, I'm headed into the mission field. I leave my office and I'm headed to the gas station. What am I doing? I'm going in the mission field. When I leave my office and I, and I head to the hospital to do visits, what am I doing? I'm going into a mission field. And I would say the same is true for you. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and, and, and you're going to be... I mean, this church is going to be dispersed throughout the community, but we're all going to go into a mission field. And here's the question. Will you live your life on assignment in the place that God's positioned you? So you're there for a purpose. And the purpose is more than just making a paycheck. The purpose is to be a living representation of Jesus Christ because he wanted someone in your workplace that would be able to represent him. That's why you're there. May we do it well. Would you pray with me, Lord? First, we again thank you for your rescue of our lives. We thank you for the wonder of your grace. Oh, God. Wow. We're so blessed. And Lord, we understand that you didn't just save us so we could be satisfied. You didn't just save us so we could sit in a pew. You saved us oh, so that we could enjoy a relationship with you. And so that we could go and make you known to the world. So that we could help others find you. So in my prayer... My prayer, God, is that we would be a church that embraces our mission field. Certainly across the seas, but more important, right around the corner. Lord, I pray that every individual here today would understand, would realize or that you've placed them where you've placed them for a purpose. Lord, we'll there, there may they represent you well. With every head bowed, and eye was, I'm gonna ask you a question really quick. And it's simple. It's Are you willing? Are you willing to be a missionary on assignment in a mission field? What's a missionary? A missionary is one who's sent. Are you willing to be a missionary on assignment? In your mission field, your marketplace, your workplace. Listen, you, listen, folks, the pressure's off. You don't have to make it happen. All you have to do is make yourself available. Holy Spirit, then, will open those doors of opportunity. Simply as you're available, working hard, doing excellent work, Worshiping God through your work. So here's the question. Are you willing to be a missionary on assignment to your mission field? If that's you, I just want to pray a prayer of empowerment for you today. Would you just raise your hand? Say, I'm willing to be a missionary on assignment to my mission field. Lord. I pray today for individuals who have their hands lifted simply saying, here I am, send me. And God, what I know is when we make ourselves available to you, God, there is absolutely no limit to what you can do. Lord, this church will be a church that impacts this community in the greater Charlotte region simply because a group of folks said, here I am, send me, here I am, use me. On a construction site, in a race shop, in the banking industry, in a grocery store. God, here we are. Use us. Minister through us. May individuals this week experience, Jesus, your love through our lives. As we simply embrace our assignment tomorrow morning. But I pray these things in Jesus' name,
0: Amen. Would you For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.